Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible study classes. Whether you are looking for a place to start or want something more in-depth, there are plenty of options and times to choose from. Head to our website at www.preceptministries.ca to find a workshop or a class that is a good fit for you. We want you to have the tools to know God deeply and live differently. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay up to date on the many things God is doing through Preset Ministries in Canada. Here at Preset Ministries, we are passionate about helping people know God deeply through His Word. We desire to raise leaders that can help others with their walk with God. This summer, take some time to dig deeper with us. From July 12th to 16th, we will be hosting free online workshops available to you to either deepen your Bible study skills or help give you tools to become a better leader. Head to our website and look for Dig Deeper Summer Study Week under the Events tab to check it out now. If you would like to study along with the podcast on your own, you can go to our website and purchase the new inductive study series book called God's Blueprint for Bible Prophecy. Or if you're looking for a more in-depth study, you can grab one of our Precept Upon Precept workbooks for Daniel Part 1. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth study on the book of Daniel. This podcast is a recorded sermon series given by National Director Mark Sheldrake to a local church. Well, uh, good morning, Living Hope. Uh, Good to be with you again. Turn with me in your uh, Bibles to uh, Daniel chapter 1. There's going to be in this uh, message this morning a lot of build-up of why Daniel chapter 1 is written, but there will be a good amount of take-home for you as well. All right, so we're going to get right into Daniel chapter 1, and then I'm going to create some context for you on this chapter, and then we will uh, look specifically at the life of Daniel. I've kind of titled this whole uh, message, Resolve to be Set Apart. All right, last week we looked at uh, the characteristics of aliens. Did you walk around uh, during the week uh, talking to each other as though you were aliens? Good morning, alien. How are you doing, alien? Did you do that? Well, that's what we did at our house. All right, so we're all aliens in our house. So this week we're looking at chapter one, resolved to be set apart. All right, let's look at verse one, and I promise we're not getting far Uh, into this uh, verse before we're going to stray way, way out into uh, the Old Testament. All right, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. All right, so uh, good Bible study students, when they see verse 1, they ask, why? And and the first thing we want to know is, why did this event take place? 
All right, so we're going to, you're going to write down if you're taking notes. We don't have all the time to look at all of these individual scriptures on their own, but you're going to write down and do his homework this week, Deuteronomy chapter 28. You're going to read through Deuteronomy chapter 28, and you're going to see right in Deuteronomy 28 that there is both blessing and curse that God gives a message to Moses that says, blessed are those who follow and live out my commandments. Cursed are those who do not follow my commandments. All right, that's, that's the gist of Deuteronomy chapter 28. And so as through that, you've got God laying out the following things. Either you follow me or you don't follow me. When you follow me, you will find blessings abundant in position with me. If you stray because God is a just God, he is going to draw you back in line to him and he's going to use situations for you to pay attention to. That's been the message of scripture all the way through the Old Testament. All right, and then in chapter 1, verse 1 of Daniel, we've got this time frame in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim. So Jehoiakim, king of Judah, at this time uh, in 605 BC, that's when Daniel chapter 1 is written. All right, I'm going to, in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to pull a timeline up on the screen for you. But right now, 605 BC is when this takes place. Uh, the, the northern kingdom has already been destroyed. At this point in time, 722 BC, the Assyrians came to the northern kingdom and destroyed it. And so what the southern kingdom has seen at this point is they have seen God use the Assyrians to destroy the northern kingdom and then... Now, in 605 BC, God is going to use Nebuchadnezzar through the Babylonian kingdom to come in and besiege Jerusalem. All right, so this happens, and now let me pull this timeline up for you, okay? So 605 BC, you'll see on this timeline is the number one. So hopefully, hey, if you have to get up close to your laptop or your computer or your TV, do so. But you'll see number one, 605, is when the first of three sieges of Babylon comes, all right? And so during this time, of this first siege, if you look to the very bottom of the timeline, you are going to see that Jeremiah is the prophet who is speaking to the southern kingdom. And what Jeremiah is prophesying is he is prophesying repent and return. So I want to take you quickly with me, and then we'll come back to the timeline. I want to take you to Jeremiah chapter 25, uh, verse uh, 1 to 11. And just see what uh, Jeremiah's message was to these people, all right? Same time frame, Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 to 11, is still in that 605 BC time range. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jer Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim the son Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people 
of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, even to this days, these twenty-three years, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah spoke it, and nobody listened. All right, so just right there in that point that you have the prophets speaking to the southern kingdom, and they are not listening to turn back and follow after God. Verse 5 says, uh, his message was, turn now everyone from this evil way and from your evil deeds and dwell in the land which the Lord has given to you and your forefathers. Do not serve other gods. Uh, do not uh, worship them. Do not promote, provoke me to anger with the work of your hands, and I will do you no harm. Verse 7, yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, in order that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own harm. All right, therefore, because you have not obeyed, I will send and take all of the families of the north, declares the Lord. I'm going to send Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and bring them out against this land and against the inhabitants and against all the nations round about, and I will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting uh, desolation. All right, so if you go back to Daniel chapter 1, if you want to put the timeline back up on the screen, what you have is Jeremiah has preached for 23 years and nobody has listened. Nobody's paid attention to the message of God coming through the prophet. And so God sends Nebuchadnezzar into Jerusalem and he takes them uh, captive in 605. That part of that first captivity is Daniel and all of the nobles, all of the royalty, all of the, the well-off people. Then if you look, number two in this uh, timeline is um, the second siege, which happens around 597 BC. And this is when Ezekiel is taken into captivity. And so Ezekiel, when he's in captivity in, in uh, Babylon, he's actually bringing the prophetic message back to Judah and Jerusalem concerning the third siege, which will be the total destruction of Jerusalem. So in the timeline, you have in Babylon at this time, it's absolutely amazing, you have uh, Daniel, who's in Babylon, and you have Ezekiel, who also will be taken and taken captive into, into Babylon. And so what the promise is from God is because of your disobedience, because you have not obeyed my commands, you are going into 70 years of captivity. And 605 BC verse 1 of Daniel chapter 1 kicks off the beginning of that 70 years of captivity. All right, so now you have context for where we are in the timeline of history. All right, so you have here in verse 2, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand and along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar. All right, so he brought them back to Babylon. 
And he brought these vessels of the house to put them in the house of his God. And he also brought uh, the vessels into the treasury of his God as well. So uh, right here, you have Nebuchadnezzar going into Babylon, and he gathers up all the royals, and he gathers up some of the utensils used uh, in worship of God. And the first thing Nebuchadnezzar does is he sets all those things that were meant for the worship of God, all these things that were described back when Solomon was building his temple, all of these things, he brings them back, and he puts them in the house of his God. Uh, these these vessels that here are in chapter 1 are going to play a huge part in Daniel chapter 5. So just keep remembering uh, that what these were taken back. Verse 3 tells us, The king ordered Ashpenaz, uh, the chief of his officials, to bring some of the officials, including some of the royal family and nobles. Uh, they bring, also bring back youth who have no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence of, in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had the ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered them to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Okay, so let's just look at these verses for a moment. And, and Nebuchadnezzar, okay, he, he's, he's not dumb. He's not a dumb guy doing what he's doing. In the three sieges that he does, in the first siege, he takes royals and nobility, people who are wealthy, all right? He takes them and he takes smart people that he can train up to serve in his kingdom. In the second siege, he takes all of the army and all the people that can protect Jerusalem, and he leaves in the third siege the poorest of the poor back in to survive for themselves in uh, Judah and Jerusalem. But what Nebuchadnezzar does in his greater plan, this is where we want to focus our time and our attention. It's not all about the history of what we're seeing here, but it's what's happening in our world today. We can pull right from these verses in three in four. All right, so let's look again. Let me read these to you one more time. Look what he says. He says, bring back with you uh, those, the sons of Israel, uh, royal family, nobles, uh, youth who have no defect, uh, good-looking people who are smart. They have wisdom. They, they understand things. They're, they're educated people. And, and the purpose to bring them back is for them to serve. So, so uh, uh, young ladies, are you thinking about this? Like, hey, the Bible just pulled, pulled these uh, three guys coming out, and it's like, hey, th these are good-looking men that, that got taken back into to, uh, captivity. All right, so, so some good-looking smart men that got taken back into captivity. And so uh, what we talk about, and we can put here and say, this is the cream of the crop. This is, this is the best of the best that was in Judah that he brought back. He, he brought them back, people who were smart and knowledgeable in, in, in the word of God. And he brought them back. And then look what he does to them. He says, he ordered them to teach them in the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Uh, we'll walk down to verse 8 and then we'll come back. It says, the king appointed them a daily ration 
from the king's choice of food, from the wine which he drank and appointed that they should be educated three years, and at the end, they were to enter into the king's service. Now among them, the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The commander of the officials assigned new names to them and to Daniel. He assigned Daniel's name would be Belteshazzar, Hananiah would be Shadrach, Mishael would be Meshach, Azariah would be Abednego. Now, just, just a side note to all of this, isn't it very interesting that you and I, when we look at Daniel, when we talk about things like the fiery furnace, and when we talk about the, the lion's den, these well-known Sunday school stories, we automatically go to giving these three men their Babylonian names, and we talk about them only with their Babylonian identity and saying, hey, I know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we also say, I know the story of Daniel. Why is it that we keep the, the Hebrew name for, for Daniel, but we, we assign the Babylonian names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. It's a very, very interesting side note, a sidetrack or rabbit trail to this whole thing. But here, here's what's happening. The sole purpose of Nebuchadnezzar is to indoctrinate. All right, The term that I want to use here is this simple term that we can all wrap our heads around. Is Nebuchadnezzar's sole desire is to take this group of people and brainwash them and brainwash them in everything about the Babylonian lifestyle. Uh, this, This whole sermon series and topic of resolve, it comes down to because the culture that we live in today, the sole purpose of the world and the culture that is around us is one thing. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? It's brainwash. The sole desire of the world for you is to brainwash you into the things of this world. Oh, that can't be true, Mark. That's, that's impossible to think about that the world is trying to brainwash me and, and try to get me to think a one, along one, one line, uh, a worldly line in, in what's happening. Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, any of you watch uh, television? Do you watch shows that are, that are on the TV today? Every television show out there right now indoctrinates you with things like same-sex marriage is okay. It indoctrinates you with it's okay to question gender. It's okay to to have everything you want and be selfish about yourself and not focus on other things. Let me give you a number of ways in which Nebuchadnezzar is trying to brainwash and it's happening in the same way here today. The first way in the first starting position of brainwashing these men, these nobles, is he puts them in a new location. He takes them from their home and he puts them into a new home. 
where, where all the practices of, of their lifestyle are, have completely been changed. They're, they're not in the same place anymore. They're in an area of discomfort, in a place of unknowing. Here, here's what else they do. Um, they give them a new education. So, so not only do they take what they know. Remember, these people, they are men of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. These are people who, who can think. They're not people who, who don't really know where they just kind of follow the path. These people are thinkers. They're planners. They're people who are well-educated, and he's going to re-educate them. This is what, this is what our world is about now. Our world, the, the world that is around us, wants to re-educate us on everything. We, we have terms that are, that are coming out in this time frame now that, that are so much different from, from where I was just even 10, 15, 20 years ago in my lifestyle. I'm seeing things that are happening in, in this idea of critical race theory, progressive Christianity, all of this that's happening in the world and is infiltrating its weight ray into the church. This is a re-education of the system. We need to teach you. One of, one of the discussions is we, we need to teach you that, that oppression has been going on for such a long time. And because of oppression and it's happening, uh, we need to re-educate you in what oppression is and how not to do it. These are all things that are happening in the world. And you know where they're happening? You know where they're happening? They're happening in universities and schools all across the country. What, just think about in, in public school systems how, how the sex education curriculum has changed over the years. And now you're teaching children as young as grade one and grade two about what is right and what is wrong in, in sexual relationships. And these are things that in my age, all right, this is showing my age, you know, the days when I used to walk uphill both ways to school and Sears catalogs for goalie pads and, and warming in your Boots, no, that's not, that's not my time frame. But that's, that's my dad's time frame, right? I walked to school uphill both ways. We use Sears catalogs to keep our feet warm uh, these times. But things have changed. We're now, we're now teaching our children about sexual things. It, it blows my mind, the celebrity world. If you follow the celebrity world, uh, born a woman, born a girl, but we're going to let her choose her gender when she's ready. Uh, you you want to know what, what got me fuming this week? Got me just all fired up about what we're looking at? Did anybody do the Canadian census? The first question, what were you born? Male or female? The second question, what do you identify as? You see, the difference here in this re-education is that we've gone away from things. You know what? We used to try to disprove Christianity with science. But now, science doesn't even play a role. It's a complete indoctrination of people. This is what's happening. We do, we're, we're doing new education. Daniel, how else is he being, he being changed? Uh, they're changing his diet. They're, they're going after things 
that are going to be like, this is what you are going to eat now. These are the things that you are going to follow after. The final thing is the complete transformation, indoctrination, and brainwashing is you now do not have the identity you had before. What was yours in Judah and Jerusalem, which was your name given to you by your parents, is no longer yours. It's gone. You see, I'm going to educate you. I'm going to train you. I am going to change your name and I'm going to put you into my service and you're going to follow after me. You know how I know that the world is trying to change and is trying to indoctrinate us and us as believers and to cause us to think and do things in a different way? Post your beliefs on social media. Stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ on Twitter. You will be destroyed instantly. And the purpose of that is this cancel culture that's out in the world is to completely absorb you and make you disappear. That's what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. What you knew in Judah, in Jerusalem, Daniel, Hananiah, all you guys, what you knew, it's gone. You're now in my world. You'll do things from my way. Uh, we're going to see when we get into chapter, chapter 2 and on some of the things that Nebuchadnezzar uh, plans and promises uh, if you don't do things his way. Uh, I'll rip your arms and legs off. This, this forced position of trying to do these things. We don't want to spend all the time on the negative. Listen, uh, I read a great quote this week from, from John Stott, and what he said was, he said, don't worry about what's happening in the culture around you. The things that are happening around you, you see, the diagnosis is already there. The judgment is already there for the world. But he says, what happened to the salt and the light in the world? Don't let the salt and light disappear from the world. You see, what's already here is here. The, the, the world is, is set up for, for destruction. It's about the salt and the light. It's about you and I and how we survive through this. Yes, God wants us to, to give the gospel to those who desperately need it. He wants, he wants the world to be saved. He wants his people to be saved. But the destination for the world and those who do not want to follow is already set. Worry about you standing up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now look at this, okay? So the way that the text works here is absolutely amazing. It shows us everything that happens to Daniel and his buddies, all right? Everything that happens to them is coming through in these strings, all right? And then in verse 8, you have this most amazing word, all right? The word in the Bible study, you know, you don't think about it as, oh, this is a really important word, but it actually is an important word, and it is the word but, all right? The word but is a contrast to what you've seen in the previous verses. And so here the word but is Daniel, all right? Daniel, what he does is he says, Daniel made up his mind that he would, do not, he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. 
So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Okay, so think about this for a moment, all right? So what, what has happened? Okay, Nebuchadnezzar went into Judah and Jerusalem, and it wasn't like this. Hey, guys, let's go to Babylon now. No, he went in with his army, and he forced them all out of their home. And when he forced them out of their home, he began to indoctrinate them with the teachings of the Chaldeans. He changed their diet. He changed their names. And he essentially wanted them to absorb completely into the culture. But Daniel, uh, if you've got a pen, you want to write down this beside verse 8. Are you ready? Daniel is 15 years old. 15 years old. He is a teenager in a different land, and he's standing there, and he says, I've made up my mind that I am not going to defile myself with the food that has been set before me. Uh, the idea of, of made-up mind, let me give you a one-word definition for this made-up-my-mind. Are you ready? Okay, you ready for it? Resolve. The, the, whole, the whole sermon series is based on this verse, which is resolve. He resolved. Here, I'll give you a definition of resolve, uh, same one I gave you last week. It's to set your mind on something long before the situation causes you to make that decision. So Daniel already knew that even though he was going into captivity, he, he would not do this. His mind was already set. Now, this is where, hopefully, Lord willing, we're all going to see this amazing light bulb go on about this. How can a 15-year-old make this decision in a foreign land, in a foreign culture? How does he do it? All right, so follow, follow with me here. Okay, so 605 uh, BC, if you add 15 years to that, so you get 620 BC, okay, I, I know I went to Bible college, but I can do simple math. In 605 uh, BC, so he, at 620, when he's 15, um, we see and we look back and we say, who's the king of Israel, or of Judah this time? The king is a young man by the name of Josiah. Josiah, when he became king at eight years old, uh, you can find this in uh, 2 Kings as well as 2 Chronicles. When he became king, the first thing he did was he sought after the Lord. Josiah's grandfather was, or Josiah's father was Amon. His grandfather was Manasseh. Manasseh and Amon were known to be the worst kings. At the end of Manasseh's life, he started turning his heart toward God, and you can see his repentant prayers in Kings. And so who would have been around? Well, Josiah would have been around. Josiah was a part of Manasseh's turnaround. Amon didn't turn around. But Josiah, what the significant event that happened was as he sought the Lord and he heard from the prophets, he began to, 
decide to rebuild the temple. And when he rebuilt the temple, in the temple, they found the book of the law that had been missing for 57 years. Josiah led one of the greatest revivals in the history of Judah and Jerusalem. Who was young? Who was born just in that time? Daniel. What did his parents do? His parents raised him in the word of God. Uh, Let's go and do a quick cross-reference here. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. All right, so let's go back to the law. All right, the first five books of the Bible is what was found. And in Deuteronomy... Uh, chapter 6, in, uh, starting in verse 4, listen to what Moses told the Israelites. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words I'm commanding you today that they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So what what Moses is telling the people of Deuteronomy, he's telling them, uh, you need to remember the word of God. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, but when Moses' last message to Israel, he says, take to your heart the words of this law. Put them on your heart. Why? Because they're your life. And you see, after 57 years, Josiah finds that word of God in the rubble, and he pulls it out, and he gets it translated into a place of understanding, and he makes all of Judah fast, and follow after God. Daniel is a product of his parents instilling in him the word of God. So do you want to know how he can stand at 15 years old and say, I'm going to make my mind up to do this? Well, it's all because of his parents. So it would be be wrong of me to not challenge you, church. Be wrong of me to not sit here and ask you, church, what are you doing to instill the word of God in your children's lives? Are, are, you, are you a family that is just relying on living hope and the four walls of this building to educate your children in the word of God? Because I don't know if you know this, but we've been in a pandemic for the last year. And a lot of church programs, not just here, but all over this country and around the world have been shut down because... We can't meet in person. And you see, we're so used to, okay, well, I've got a Sunday school program. I'll put my kids in the Sunday school program. They'll learn about Daniel in the lion's den. They'll learn about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They'll learn about Jesus and the cross at Easter time. All of these things are going to happen. But you see, what we're seeing in Deuteronomy is what Moses called a family-based ministry. There is no mention of a youth pastor in the Bible. It's all about parents 
engaging their children in relationship with God through knowing his word. How are you doing with that? Are you engaging in conversation with your children, with your family members, with your teenagers, with your grandchildren, equipping them in in the word of God? It, It makes all the difference in the world. Uh, I had just some great conversations with, with Josh this week about some of the questions that youth might be having and how to, how to live out their life and how do you live in the world? Well, you've got to teach them and you teach them from the word of God. So here, Daniel can stand. Why? Because he knows this. Turn with me to, to Leviticus chapter one, verses uh, one to 11. So, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We don't spend a lot of time in, in uh, Leviticus. What's that a part of? Huh, it's part of the law, first five books of the Bible. All right, so now let's look at what, what happens in, I'm not gonna go through the whole thing, but uh, Leviticus chapter 11, verses one down to 11. Just listen to what Moses is laying out here for the people of Israel. God tells Moses and Aaron, and he says to them, speak to the sons of Israel. There are creatures which you may eat from all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever divides a hoof, thus making split hoofs, and chews cud among the animals, you may eat. Nevertheless, you may not eat these things, which chew cud among those who divide the hoof. The camel, you can't eat the camel, for though it chews cud, it does not divide the hoof. It's unclean. Likewise, the chafin, for though it chews cud, it does not divide the hoof. All the way down Leviticus chapter 1, 11 verses 1 to 11, these are all the laws of the things that you can eat and the things that you cannot eat. If you eat the things that are not good, you are defying the law of God. And so what Daniel does in chapter 1 verse 8 is he knows Leviticus 11. He knows Exodus chapter 34. Turn to Exodus 34 verses... um, 10 to 18. So right just before Leviticus, chapter uh, 34. Okay, listen to what he says here. It says in verse 10, Behold, God, I am making a covenant before all you people. I will perform miracles which have not been produced in all the earth nor among any of the nations and all the people among you who will live and will see the working of the Lord. For it is a fearful thing that I'm going to perform with you. Be sure to observe what I have commanded you this day. Behold, I'm going to drive out the Amorite before you, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Watch yourself that you make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land in which you are going, or it will become a snare in your midst. But rather, you are to tear down the altars, smash their sacred pillars, Cut down the ashram. Why? For you shall not worship any other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Uh, Exodus tells us that, that that God wants your whole heart. And so Daniel, when when his parents raised him up, they taught him the first five books of the law. They taught him Exodus. They taught him Leviticus. And when he got there, Nebuchadnezzar in this food that would have been prepared for him, all of this food would have been offered 
up in burnt sacrifices to false gods. And so Daniel did not want to defile himself with this food, knowing that he would be breaking God's law. Isn't it amazing? That the very fact that here he made up his mind, God's word, pursuit of God, is way more important than conforming to the world. And so the, the, the question before we, we can go forward is really, what is your relationship to God's word? What are you doing? You remember last week we looked at one of the characteristics, aliens are in training. Uh, do you know the word of God enough that when it comes time that the culture and the world is trying to absorb you and encapsulate you and keep you, that you know what, you will not falter from the truth of the gospel and you will stand strong and you will resolve to live a life that is separated and set apart after God? Or will you easily crush into the world and be absorbed because you don't like the pressure Daniel, Daniel stands strong. Now, now look, what he, look what he does here. He, after this, it, I, I just love this because this is so anti what we see in the world today. We see in the world from the cancel culture and everything that's around us, everything is forced upon you. But Daniel, he says, I sought permission from the commander that he might not defile himself. Do you see, he's still in submission under who's over his authority at this time. Verse nine, God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. The commander of the officials said, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has pointed the food for you to eat and drink. Why? That he, if he sees that you guys look haggard, that you don't look who you're, like you're supposed to be, then he will take my head. Uh, that's the number one uh, idea and, and pursuer of what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. Uh, he'll, he'll cut my head off if, if you guys look differently and don't follow the plan that he has. Verse 11, do you see it? But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials has appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. Isn't this absolutely amazing? If you could just pause and think about this for a minute. You have a 15-year-old that is standing up to Nebuchadnezzar's indoctrination leader and he's saying, can we have a conversation? Look at the beginning, how these men were described. Good-looking, intelligent, in every branch of wisdom, endowing understanding and discerning knowledge. They had the ability that they would be able to serve. Look, Daniel knew his God. And Daniel knew his God so well that when Daniel had favor and an opportunity to discuss this before the king, I believe that Daniel already knew the outcome, that God was going to protect him in this. Look what happens to the guard in verse 14. He says, he listened to them in this matter and he tested them for 10 days. 
At the end of the 10 days, their appearance seemed better. Uh, They were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. Uh, The overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine, and they drank and kept giving them uh, vegetables. Look what happens in verse 17. As for these four youth, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Uh, The ESV uh, tells you that Daniel was given um, knowledge and skills. All right, so skills... Uh, the, the Hebrew word for skill is, is the word sekal, which, which really translates as wisdom. If you want to see that word used uh, somewhere else in Scripture, you can see the word sekal used in Genesis when, when Satan is talking with uh, Eve and saying that, did God really say this when it comes to the tree of life? The word wisdom is used there. It's also used in Joshua chapter 1 when he says, be strong and courageous and you will prosper. Uh, the word prosper is the word call, which is wisdom. So, so here were some smart men already, some people who were already set apart. They were chosen. They stand strong and they resolve. And what comes of this? Blessing from God. Uh, think back for a moment to where, to where we started in this whole thing. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, 28 promises, obey my commands, walk with me, obey my statutes, and you will have blessing. Uh, do not, and you will have curse. Do you see the hand of God looking out for these four youth in a foreign culture? Why? Where does it start? The foundation starts with their knowledge and understanding of the word of God that helps them to resolve and not back down. This is not a, uh, what we would call like an emergent message of, hey, guess what? All you gotta do is, you know, follow God's word and next thing you know, there's a Ferrari in your parking lot, you know, in your driveway. No, that's not the case. It's not, you know, this, you know, eternal blessing kind of stuff. You're gonna be all rich. The fact of the matter is Daniel and his people were not removed from Babylon. They still have to undertake everything that they're going through for, for the next number of years, but God is watching over them. Daniel, Look at the uh, verse 18, just uh, and to the end, and then we'll come back and we'll bring this all home. Verse 18 says, end of the days, uh, which the king had specified, presenting the commander of the officials, presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of all of them, uh, no one was found to be like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, they, They bubbled to the surface. Do you see that? Of all the people that were taken into captivity, these men who decided to resolve and stand strong together bubbled to the top of the service and were very close and watchful of the eye of the king. So much so, they, they went into the king's service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, conjurers, who were of his realm. Imagine that. Uh, where, did, where did Daniel and his 
and his buddies get this wisdom from? They got it from God. You see, it started with the foundation of the scriptures and what Daniel's parents did with him and raised him up in the word of God that he could make sound, wise choice decisions and he stood on the side of the word of God versus that of conforming to the world and out of that, God raised them up into a position of leadership and the king was going to get wisdom and understanding and they were so much better, so much better than all those who were already in his service. So much so, look at, Dan, look at this. Daniel says, uh, 21 says, and Daniel continued to serve in the king's service until the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Daniel will spend more than 70 years in service to Nebuchadnezzar. But here he was in this very first moment in the very first moment he was, he resolved to stand firm and set apart. You see, the big thing I want you to see here is because of the foundation that was built in him, the Babylonians could not change his address, they could not change his education, they could not change his men, they could change all of those things, they could take him and put all those things, but they could not change his heart. They couldn't change a heart that was after God. These men, they did not compromise. They resolved to be set apart because they trusted in God and his word. Let me ask you, in the midst of this, this I call cultural barn burner that we're in right now, are you in the position to be able to stand firm to resolve to be set apart. Let's look, let's look at one, one more verse and, and let's bring this home. I, f- I feel like we just need to kind of go and look at uh, the book of 1 Peter for a minute. I know we were, we were there um, earlier, but let's walk through 1 Peter just coming to um, uh, chapter two and just look quickly as we wrap up our time here. Listen to what the Bible tells us. And coming to Jesus as to a living stone which has been rejected by men but which is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, you believers, you are living stones who are built up as spiritual houses for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay a choice stone, a precious stone, And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, uh, but for those who disbelieve. The stone which the builders rejected, this became this cornerstone. It's a stumbling stumbling rock and a stone of offense. People stumble because of the disobedience of the word. And they, uh, into this they are doomed. But you, you, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a nation, a people for God's possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
We see the common thread all the way through scripture is this, that God wants his people to be set apart. They want, he wants them to stand firm for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible calls us to resolve, to make up our mind and base all of our decisions on being set apart for Jesus. But it starts with the word of God. Friends, if you are not in the word of God, you will not be able to make wise, sound, solid decisions. You will not be able to resolve. You'll waver back and forth between things of the world and things of the truth of God's word. Get in the word. Equip your children. Get them into the word. We have set up tools for you in this very short time of this message. Are you taking advantage of it? Be in the word. Resolve to set your mind on following the commandments of God. Let's pray together. Father, we do come before you in this moment thinking about Daniel, thinking about the very fact that he resolved to set his mind to follow after you. Father, I thank you for his parents and the parents raising him up, teaching him the word of God, teaching him the law, so that when came time to be in a foreign culture, in a foreign land, that he set his mind to follow after you. And Father, in the next few weeks, we're going to see this wisdom that you have given Daniel come out. And we know, we know that Daniel's knowledge and understanding of you came straight from your word. It came through Moses and it came through um, transition of word of mouth and through kings and through Josiah and into Daniel's life. And so, Father, imagine the very fact that even now, 15-year-olds could stand up for the truth of your gospel in the world that we live in right now. Absolutely amazing. Father, I pray over each and every person listening now that they would be able to resolve to stand for you. Father, may your spirit work in our hearts. Move us. Give us a hunger to study. Not just read words on a page, but, but get to know you to the very point that we know your character, we know your promises, and nothing this world offers holds more weight than what you have for us in the future. Father, we're aliens. Help us to be hopeful of what is to come, to see that it is way more valuable than what can be offered right now. Allow us to be able to determine what is truth and what is not truth in this world that is just pushing things at us left and right, trying to indoctrinate us into the culture of this world. May we stand strong. May we stand apart. May we glorify you in all we do. Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out our website at www.preceptministries.ca. And we want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts or another ministry of Precept Ministries, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info@preceptministries.ca. 
We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life.